Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. episode number 176 of the podcast. Today, we have Cara Brett from Bounce Financial. Now, um, before I start, I just wanted to say a big thank you. Um, Since starting back the podcast this year, the feedback from emails, texts, reviews on iTunes, all of that have been amazing. And we really appreciate it. There is a lot of work that goes in this podcast, but um, getting that feedback from everybody out there, knowing the impact it's making has been fantastic. Now, um, earlier this year, I had somebody say, uh, we'd love you to interview someone in the finance sector, um, just around money and what to do with it and so forth like that. And somebody I've followed for a while now is Cara Brett. And why I absolutely love Cara's message is she makes finance simple, makes it easy to understand and gives some really clear guidelines around, you know, how to, you know, set up your future, what necessities you need to have in day to day and so forth like that. And, um, Really, if it's, you know, this March already, and if you're like me, you're already like, geez, I, I really need to get on top of my finances. So today, it's really about taking your finances to the next level in 2020. And we talk about saving tips, um, the three areas of your life you need to sort of focus on. That's current, your lifestyle, your medium-term goals, and then your future self. And um, I really like the way Kara goes about it. Uh, as well as that, there's just a lot of other ways, you know, talking about uh, getting that deposit for your first house or um, what sort of investments to do, where to put your money, should you put it all in one thing or diversify and different things like that. And um, I know myself when talking about money, most people have got an opinion about it, but then actually getting a really clear sort of opinion and, and someone that you trust. Um, I think it, it, it is something that we sort of tr- uh, we struggle with. So today, Kara is fantastic at that. Um, also in the show notes for episode 176, there will be links so you can go and contact Kara afterwards. And if there's anything you'd like to talk further with her, you can do that. So guys, money, 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 176 with Kara Brandt. Welcome to the podcast. I've got Cara Brett here from Brisbane. How are you, Cara? Very good. How are you? I'm great. Now, we just had a little chat off air and it's probably um, it's, uh, it's probably appropriate at the moment in Australia with climate change and everything like that. But um, what have you been up to this morning with your house? Uh, it's just been a, uh, a little bit of uh, excess flooding from all of the rains that we've had. So we've been dealing with... Um, with some insurance claims and stuff around the bottom of our house, but I guess that's why you have insurance. So it is okay. <laughs> good. Glad to hear. Um, now and yes, start of the year we've got all this rain, and now we've got uh, we had all the fires, and now we've got all the rain. So yeah, it's a little bit crazy. It is. It's one extreme to the next, and I I imagine people uh, around the world just thinking, what is going on in that island all by yeah. itself? They they don't know what's happening. It's either on fire or it's underwater. It's crazy. Now, obviously, talking about that um, from Bounce Financial, we want to take obviously 2020 to the next level. And uh, for me personally, I know so many people, Cara, that set New Year's resolutions, new year, new me, all this rubbish like that. But when it comes to our finances, what are some financial goals or how can we sort of stick to them going forward in 2020? Sure. So I think one of the biggest issues that um, when it comes to New Year's resolutions and all of that sort of stuff is over committing to something you can't do. And the same can be said for finances, right? So for us, it's like, right, let's just bring it back to basics and have a loose basic plan for your money. Um, we, 
it doesn't need to be, you know, crazy. I need to learn about the share market. It doesn't need to be, I need to save $50,000. I think what's more important from our perspective is saying, all right, what is it you want to achieve? And let's just break your money down into smaller portions to figure out how to get there. Because I think one of the biggest things when it comes to money and trying to get ahead is that people don't know what they don't know. They stick their head in the sand. They don't actually make a plan for it in the slightest. And at the end of the year, they go, well, how come I've got no money left? I should have been able to save $10,000 and I literally have a credit card debt of $15,000. I'm sure, I'm sure people are listening along in their car, nodding along going, yes, that happens to me. So I'm a big believer in this as well, Cara, that small goals, I don't just have the big goal of obviously buying a house or a new car or something like that. How do you break that down? So Obviously, people want to live, so they want to, you know, they might want to buy clothes, they might want to go for nice dinners, but then they also want to save. Is there a really good formula that you recommend? So we have the idea that we want money to go to three three areas. Um, current current you, which is your lifestyle. So, you know, lifestyle is important. We want you to make sure you have enough money to do things you like doing, to pay the bills, to um, to whatever that is. So for me, like, I'm always going to have money to go to cafes. I'm always going to have money to eat out because that's the thing that I like to do, right? Um, So I've got a certain amount of money that I send to myself every week. That's for that. And that's the current lifestyle. I send money towards medium term me, which is basically this this goals area for my life, right? So um, what do I want to achieve in the next five to 10 years? So is that a really big epic holiday? Cool. Then I need to make sure money is going towards that so that in five years time when I go to Europe, for example, Um, I know the money's sitting there ready for me and it does take a little bit longer to get to those type of things. And then I need to send money towards future me, which is, you know, a fair bit down the the path here. We're talking about closer to retirement and things like that. But my future self is going to thank me for this. So I just need to make (laughs) sure that some, some money is going towards that so that I can have a good lifestyle in the future as well. So for, for the way that we sort of see it is, Hey, there's nothing wrong with having a good lifestyle now, but if you want to achieve those medium term goals um, and the longer term stuff, you just need to make sure from every pay period, there is literally money going towards all of those. And then the exact figure will be dependent on the goals that you have and your age and in the lifestyle that you have and things like that. So it's kind of personalized in that, but if you've got money going towards those three areas, you're probably going in the right direction. I, I, I like that. And I like the way it's broken down. And I suppose that future me, it, it is important to be present and live in the current day, but then also if you're not allowing yourself to be set up for the future, um, particularly in Australia, you know, it's a very expensive place to live. You can have a lot of headaches. So when you obviously got, you've got the current one, the lifestyle and, that, and probably most people, that's very important, the medium term and the future. Um, what's a really good split or does that really come down to the individual car? comes down to the individual and the age, right? Because to be honest, one of the biggest assets that we have on our side is time. Um, if, if future you is actually only 10 years away, so if you're thinking of retiring in 10 years, you don't have as much time. So how much money you're allocating towards future you needs to be a hell of a lot higher than it would be if you're 30 years old and you've got a little bit more time on your side, right? So it's, it's really difficult to say percentages or anything like that. But to be honest with you, the biggest percentage is always going to be in your current lifestyle because you still got to pay the bills. You still got to do the things that you've got to do. Um, but then we need to determine from, from us, it's like going, well, what, what are the goals? Some people's major medium term goal is just to get a, you know, have a holiday of 
$10,000 and that's not that big of a goal. Like that's relatively easy to achieve. But for other people, it's, hey, I want to take a year off work and spend $80,000. All right, well, we need to set a little bit more money aside for that kind of thing. So it does take a little bit of lateral thinking and personalization of it. Um, but it's going to, like I said, time is the biggest thing you have on your side. So the longer time you have, the more that you can do. Mm. And I think, I think that's important. And that relates probably back to anything in life that uh, the bigger you call, the probably harder you're going to have to work. And, and it's exactly the same with money that um, the more money you obviously want to save, Cara, then it's probably going to take more dedication and you're going to have to have a better plan in place. Now, um, I'm 34 and I know a lot of my friends and uh, people, they're, they're trying to buy a house. Um, yeah. What, this, I'm sure you get this all the time. I want to buy a house. I don't have the deposit. Um, how do you go about that? Cool. So um, you are going to need a deposit, right? So it's, banks are pretty good. And you, when, especially when it's your first home, you can get across the line with a relatively small deposit compared to previous days. But of course, when we've got all of our money sitting around, we tend not to know what it's for or we tend to spend it. So we're huge advocates of segregating your money. So for us, it's, so say you want to buy a house and um, we know that you can save $100 a week or, or whatever that is. For us, it's, okay, set up an account, maybe specifically for house savings on your payday, automate that $100 to go to that account and pretend it doesn't exist. Um, no FPOS cards attached to it. You don't want to be able to get to it on Apple Pay. And then all the money that you're sending to yourself for lifestyle and for bills, which would be in a completely separate account, it's okay to spend that because you know that you're saving for your house. If there's excess money, obviously you can put it towards there. And essentially it's the choice of what are you willing to go without now so that you can have this thing later. For some people, they go, well, I'm not willing to go without my daily coffee, which I'm not an advocate for generally because <laughs> coffee is life. <laughs> well, I totally agree, Cara. <laughs> what am I willing to go without to get that goal? Um, and if not, at least you've got an understanding of what you can and can't do. Too often we tend to find that people go, you know what I'm going to try and do? I'm going to save 20% of my income um, and I'll be able to save this much by, by this amount of time. And that's a really excellent goal, except that if your life costs more to live than you realise, you might dip into that 20% and you might have actually realistically only been able to save 5% because of what your life costs to live and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and so you end up feeling bad about yourself because you've only saved 5% instead of 20% and all of a sudden your projections are completely out and you can't buy a house. That leads to you end up, you know, spending the money you actually did save anyway um, because you feel bad about yourself. Yeah, and then correct. You're, you're on this like circle roller coaster. So it's important to understand what you can realistically save with how much the rest of your life costs and then determine, is there anything I want to go without um, to get to this goal quicker? And if so, awesome. If not, that's okay. You know what the realistic projection of your savings are. So there's mm. a few areas that we tend to find, especially in this age category of sort of 34, 35, right? That some people tend to spend higher, um, which hurts them in other areas. So things like um, luxury cars, you know, when you, when you get to the mid thirties, you are earning a relatively good income and it feels really awesome to treat yourself with something cool like a luxury car you know, instead of your $30,000 Corolla or whatever. Um, but these are quite expensive and tend to be a bit of an issue for people who are trying to take the next step for things like buying a house because there's so much money 
wrapped up in this this car that isn't like an appreciating asset or making you any money and it's stopping you from getting to the house side of things so we sort of say look if you're if you're willing to give up certain things to get there awesome if you're not just understand it's going to take you longer than it would if you were prepared to go without something does that kind of make sense yeah it really does and i think um yeah when you do see that good amount of money coming into your bank you're like oh a nice car would be good but realistically buying a new car is probably one of the silliest things you will ever do and I my father told me this a long time ago car and I didn't listen I went out and did it but the depreciation on that money once I drove out the car sales was absolutely ridiculous do you recommend that or I suppose it really comes down to uh what you're earning and where you want to go is that sort of what you're saying yeah I mean like full disclosure I have my last two cars have been brand new cars however they were twenty thousand dollars and sixteen thousand dollars right um, with, with a nice little seven-year warranty attached to it. So Perfect. <laughs> now, a, a car for me, um, I'm not a car person, so, you know, like I understand there are some people who love that. For me, it is just transport. So as long as I have something that is working, um, that is relatively easy for me to get around the city, comfortable, all that sort of stuff, um, then I'm happy and I didn't have to get a loan to do that. I could, I could buy the car in cash. Uh, so I'm not against the new car thing because I know people sort of say that, but I am against sort of spending way more than you necessarily should relative to your income um, just because you you can, you know, because I think there's all these like leasing arrangement and car loans that can seem like they're really good for you uh, because of the way that they're advertised and it's only, you know, $200 a week. But that's a lot of money to be spending on a, on something that, like you said, it's depreciating on a... As soon as you leave the um, yeah, second by second, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's certainly not an asset in in the name of you know you're going to make money off it. It is honestly just something that is getting you from A to B and um, and costing you money along the way. So for me, it's like how can I spend as little as I can in this area so I have money for the other things that are way more important to me than a car. Hmm. I, I think that makes sense. And it's really all about, obviously, you know, you can get these big high purchase loans and, um, you know, you can write it off against your tax and things like that. But it's really about staying in your boundaries. And yes, $200 may seem like you can pay it back. But as you said, that is a lot of money coming out on top of tax every week. So, um, I, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't go and buy a new car again and, and spend the money I did. And that's a great lesson. But for people listening, I'm not saying don't go and do that. And I know you're not as well, Cara, but... Um, I think that's a really good point. Other thing I wanted to bring up is I know a lot of my friends, I've got about 75% of my deposit and I'm getting close. Um, but that money is just sitting in an account getting basically 0% interest because interest rates are so low. Um, is there a better way to, you know, obviously still save for that deposit and have the money there, but um, invest it elsewhere while you're waiting? It, it, again, this is a time period thing. So for us, if we know that someone needs the money within a couple of years to buy the deposit so, or to buy the house, so they've got the 75% uh, deposit, um, I wouldn't be telling them to put it anywhere other than a high interest bank account or a term deposit, right? So you can get your six, 12 month term deposits. And you're right, the interest rates aren't great. They're probably um, two, 2% is probably the best you're going to get. I think there are some high, higher um, interest online bank accounts that you might be able to get 2.5%. Um, 
But the reason why, if you're, if you're definitely going to need it in the, first, in the next couple of years, that it's important to put there is that most people aren't willing to lose a few thousand dollars of that, right? It has taken them in a while to get there. So mm. their risk tolerance is quite low. Um, yes, there are potential options for people to invest. But for me, it's like, unless you're investing for five plus years and it doesn't matter if that money goes up and down in that period of time, um, it's too high of a risk to do so. So even though it seems like it's not exciting and making very much money, even 2.5% on $50,000 or whatever you've got is going to give you extra money and extra money on top of what you have is always a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yes, the share market's awesome and there are investments, but I, I always say to people, if it's for your first home and you're getting there slowly, you're best to keep it just in a bank account or a term deposit. Yeah, that, that, that does make sense. And I suppose um, it is a lot of money normally sitting there. But as you just said, people do work really hard for that. And um, they probably are saving a certain amount each week. So then if something does happen in a, in a long-term investment or, the, or they buy stocks and it goes down quite considerably, I can imagine that um, it's very deflating. Have, have you had many examples of that happening before where people are like, well, I've got this great money. Why don't I invest it? And then I'll be able to get my deposit quicker. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had people come to us having done that and and the probably the biggest risk of that especially if they're not working with someone who knows a little bit better is that they go oh no it went down seven thousand dollars quick let's get out before it goes <laughs> down more and 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 i get it it's a fear thing right like you don't know what you don't know and investments in the share market and stuff is complex and scary um but Honestly, in that situation, probably one of the worst things you can do, assuming that you've got a, you know, a fully diversified portfolio that's right for you, is to sell out. Because once you sell, um, you've essentially crystallized the loss. Um, and so we definitely have had people come to us after having done that. And we're like, oh, yeah, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> Should have kept it. Yeah, because, you know, like you wait a period of time. And this is what I mean about um, if, if you can invest in these things, but if you definitely need it on a certain date, that's where you need to be quite specific about keeping it in cash because for us, for, you know, for our long-term investments, yeah, it might go down $7,000 in a week. That is definitely a thing that can and has happened, but it doesn't mean anything unless I sell it at that point in time. Um, and so that's the big risk for people is that they will, you know, go, oh, quick, sell it, knee-jerk reaction because I, I don't want to lose any more than I already have. And $7,000 to save takes a really long time. Like I said, it can take a year or two, depending on how much excess money you have. Mm. And, and I suppose your lifestyle. And I like that point that you hear people say, oh, I made this much on the stock market. And well, you haven't actually made anything to your sell it and or you haven't lost anything to your sell it. So I think that's great advice. Don't, if you are going to be getting into something that, you know, is high risk, low reward or high, low reward, high risk, you know, don't just sell when things go bad. You know, you've got to write it out sometimes. So that sort of brings me to my next question, Gary, that obviously property uh, in like Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne and other places around the world, um, it is on the rise because, you know, people want to live in these lovely places. Is property the best investment? Is um, getting a share portfolio? Uh, is it buying old stamps or coins? What, what do you see as, <laughs> what do you see as the best trend sort of going on in 2020 is um, for people that want to invest some money? Yeah, um, good question. And I suppose there is no right answer with this. But as a general rule, the way that we see investments is your investment needs to align to your goals. So all of those things, um, even gold bars under your 
um, grass like Ron Swanson um, could, potentially be, <laughs> could potentially be great investments, right? But it needs to align to what you're doing. So I'll give you a bit of an example. Um, if you, you know, a lot of people that we work with are thinking about um, investing so that they can pay for their, their kids' private education, right? So private school fees, they might- a Crazy dear. Yeah, it's, it is, it can be really expensive. And so, you know, a lot of planning goes into that because for that sort of potentially 12 year period, you've got to, you've got to pay, you know, 15, 20 grand a year for, for these kids, right? So, um, so a lot of the people that we work with are planning for that. And they'll often come to us with the concept of, well, look, I want to buy an investment property so that I can pay for the kids' education. But here's where that investment doesn't necessarily align to that goal because you might buy the investment property and, and that's, that's awesome. You buy it in advance and hopefully the rent is covering your repayments because most people can't just go and um, throw down half a mil or a mil on an investment property in cash. So they've borrowed money in order to do so. But when the kids' education costs come due, so the, you know the start of the year when you've got to you've got to put down fifteen grand, you can't just sell a bedroom in order to get access <laughs> to the money. That's crazy. So, so how I like that? That's a perfect example as to why that investment specifically doesn't suit that goal. Um, so it's not a bad. Um, investment to have it's just understanding why you would have a property as opposed to why you would potentially have like let's say a share or an investment portfolio so in that scenario maybe an investment portfolio would be a better investment for that because when you do need access to the money you can sell just a small portion of your shares down pay for the private education but the rest of your money is still being invested um, so that the next year you can do the same again and the same again so for us, most people are going to actually be needing uh, most of these types of investments. So, you know, the potential of having an investment property for the really long-term strategy, right? So, you know, not needing to draw down money from it, thinking about in the future that it will provide ongoing income, but at the same time, working towards having this more liquid, this more flexible type of investment portfolio, um, to be able to do the, the things in your life that come up that, um, you know, like private education, or you might change your mind, you might start a business, you might um, do some travel. Having kind of a bit of both is going to be the best thing for you, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And I suppose that comes down to diversifying and not putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of people, particularly when you uh, own your own business, and you'd be aware of this, Cara, that um, don't just rely on just one revenue stream. And I suppose that comes yes. back to don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like you said, have it in an investment house and then not be able to you know, get that money unless you sell the whole house. And that sort of defeats the whole purpose, really, doesn't it? Correct. And the thing with the investment property, and when I'm not against investment properties at all, I think it, it, they can be excellent if you, if you get the right one. Um, but remember, you are putting all your eggs in one basket and you're hoping that you've chosen the right property in the right place um, that enables you to obviously pay it off, but will provide you with growth over the long term. So it's a big, it's a big swing and you need to be comfortable that you've made the right choice. And like I said, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just that I think people underestimate how important it is to get investment properties right because, mm. you know, we see, we live in houses, so we assume we understand how they work, right? They're there, you rent it out to someone, happy days. But um, there's actually a little bit more complexity around that. And so 
we should, you know, take it seriously because it is something to take seriously, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and a lot of time you hear these nightmare stories, we have bad tenants or things happen with the house that you weren't obviously planning to having that budget. And then it really exactly. throws everything out and it ends up having a negative effect, doesn't it? Exactly. Exactly. And it's, for some people, all it takes is, you know, two weeks of being untenanted and, um, you know, a potential flood situation like my house. Um, and, and all of a sudden the investment is no longer a positive investment for you. It's actually going backwards. And so it's, mm. it's like, it's just really important to, to take it seriously and, and spend the time to assess these things. Yeah. And I suppose then that also brings ex excess stress and, you know, anxiety on because you've got something that's really chewing up your funds. And um, at the end of the day, our lives are already stressful enough. We don't need to be doing that to ourselves. So I suppose um, everything I've taken from today, Gary, it's about figuring out what works best for you. Um, and, yeah. you know, and not, as we said, don't just go all in for one area, you know, sort of split it out. And then it sort of comes back to the three areas, you know, like you said, your current, your medium and your future. And I suppose when we're thinking about it, they're the big things we need to focus on. So um, I know you do a lot of live events in Brisbane and things like that. What, are, what have you found the best uh, sort of feedback or things? Obviously people will be able to contact you after this car and um, everything you provide been amazing, but what's it like in person compared to like over the phone or in a live event with other people? Uh, you mean in terms of how I interact with people and what I do with them? Yeah, just just sort of, because um, I know obviously if you run a podcast or a webinar, it's really good because people can listen, like people might be listening to this in, while they're running, cycling, riding in the car, and that, that's fantastic. But I don't think you can ever beat that human connection and the real life personal experience. Yeah, sure. I, you know, we do, we do do a lot of work with people, obviously, one-on-one um, -on -one, and we do the webinars and, and all sorts of things. And I think, um, you know, from our perspective and for, for anyone we talk to, it's important to understand that firstly, you are unique and there is no one size fits all. So because you've read a book and you don't truly understand how it implements in your life, that's okay. Don't feel bad about that um, because everyone's got completely different goals. So, you know, like the first part that we do and the first thing we always say to people is what is it that you want to achieve out of your life? Because the money part of it is just the tool that comes in the back end. So how, what is it you want? What kind of lifestyle do you want? What do you want in the future? Do you want to have kids? Do you want to put them in private school? Do you want to travel? Like what is it that you're trying to achieve with your life and really get clear about that and what your values are. So, um, and especially as a couple, because we work with a lot of, you know, families and couples and it's really important discussion to just go, what is it you want? What do you both want? Are they the same? Is there something that, you know, you want and your partner doesn't and is, and that's totally okay as well. Um, because, that's really what for us when we're doing financial planning and when we're looking at people's finances is we're going to be led by the kind of life that you want and then we'll align your money so that you can make that happen. So for us, it's just, what do you want? How do we make the plan to make it happen? And if you can execute on that, um, then usually you're pretty happy. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. And uh, again, everything you're saying really relates back to life. Like what goals do you want in life? What do you want to achieve? And I guess it's not always about money, but money does help. And if you have that set up, it can really assist in other areas of your life because you won't have that stress or you, you'll be able to do things you want. You'll be able to send your kids to public, uh, private schools, holidays, you know, you, you'll be in a safe position and you'll be able to do that together. So um, I love that, Karen. I know that um, on Instagram, I've, I love watching your videos 
Rose. Um, is that the best place for people to reach out to you? Because I'm, I'm guessing people are listening today. And as I said, I've got a lot of friends and a lot of listeners around sort of my age group that, you know, probably need some help with this. So where would be the best place to reach out to you? Yeah, so we're, we're pretty heavily on Instagram and if people message us there um, or ask us questions, we always try and get back to them straight away. Otherwise, uh, our website is bouncefinancial.com.au and people can come through there as well. Perfect. Well, I'll have uh, links in the show notes, guys. This is episode 175. You'll be able to go and click on that. And, and also just reach out to Cara and thank her for all the advice today. I think you've made it uh, sometimes financial advice can be quite scary, but I think you've done it. And like what I've seen on the Instagram channel, Cara, that you do it in a really understandable sort of nice way that it doesn't feel threatening or you don't make you, it doesn't make me feel like I'm not very intelligent on these areas. So I really like that. Now I've just got one question I want to throw to you before we finish up and um, cryptocurrency. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I, if you're interested in gambling, then <laughs> <laughs> Um, that is a way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it put like that. That is very good. Very true. I'll put it this way. I've not got my money there. Yeah, that's, um, that's fair enough. So, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. I, I think that's, I, I like that way. It's a very good way of gambling. If you are a gambler, it's probably one you want to do because their highs and lows are very high and very low. So, um, Cara, thank you so much for your time today. And as I said, guys, reach out to Cara and just thank her for advice today because, um, I know for me personally, I love the three areas that currently meet in the future um, and just different things that I can focus on going forward. So, Gara, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me.